Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 18th of August, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with my colleague, Mike Rauber. And then I'll be asking Tim Gagey for his latest thoughts on currency markets. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So the S&P 500 fell 0.8% yesterday, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq dropped 1.1%, and with that recorded its worst three-day slide since February. What was driving these moves yesterday, Mike? Yeah, so absolutely. The two benchmarks are now down 4.7% and 6.6% this month. And this is, to answer your question, really on the back of a rise in bond yields as investors are weighing the potential for the Federal Reserve to tighten policy further. Now, this view also gained steam yesterday with U.S. employment data continuing to point towards resilience. Now, the 10-year Treasury yield reached just shy of 4.33% during the day yesterday, so it was near its highest since 2007. Although, as seen also during the week, after a spike in yield, some traders stepped in to buy treasuries, and so the yield is at 4.23% this Friday morning. But the rise in long-term bond yields isn't just a US phenomenon, right? We're seeing it across Europe and even in Japan. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely, Helen. So Japan's 20-year bond yield surged after a debt auction uh, yesterday that only drew tepid investor demand. And so the yield briefly rose to 1.375%, its highest since January. There was also no intervention from the Bank of Japan to keep the yield increase in check. Now, rises in Japanese yields do get global investors' attention because higher domestic rates could convince Japanese investors to bring more money back home, and this could put uh, upward pressure on global bond yields. And staying in Japan, we also got inflation data showing that prices excluding energy and fresh food increased by 4.3% versus the previous year. And this equaled the record set in May. Can you give us a few more details here? Yes. So it is a record in the sense that it is the fastest increase since 1981. And that really underscores the strengths uh, of the inflation trend in Japan. And just to pick one item, service price growth accelerated to 2% from 1.6% last month. And this, Helen, is actually the biggest increase since 1993. Now, the Japanese yen is stronger on this report at 145.50 when I last looked. That's against the US dollar. But this comes after weeks of weakness in the Japanese yen. So watch this currency as talks about the Japanese authorities possibly intervening are continuing to make the rounds. The Nikkei 225 index, so the benchmark uh, country equity index, it's down a little less than 1% this Friday. And of course, China continues to make the headlines, given the economic turmoil there. What's the latest? Yes, uh, its authorities uh, try to give a strong pushback against the weaker yuan via its daily reference rate, I guess in an effort to restore confidence. Now, the People's Bank of China set its so-called fixing at 720 per dollar, compared to an average estimate of 730 in a survey conducted by Bloomberg. And now the news agency says that's the largest gap to estimates since it uh, does this poll in 2018. 
Now, this also follows news that authorities had told state-owned banks to step up support for the yuan. Now, but uh, sadly, all of this is not helping Hong Kong's Hang Seng, which is down 1.7% today. Okay, let's move on to digital assets now. Bitcoin fell from around $28,000 to just above $25,300 within a matter of seconds yesterday. Now, we know that Bitcoin can be very volatile, but that seems extreme even for Bitcoin, no? Yeah, absolutely. Very extreme. It seems that the sell-off was triggered by a Wall Street Journal article that Elon Musk's privately held SpaceX venture company had written down the value of its Bitcoin holdings by $373 million in the past two years and that it had sold its Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin has recovered a little from yesterday's drop and it is now at around $26,500 But all of this comes as the crypto market is awaiting whether the SEC will approve the first spot Bitcoin ETF, with a principal decision expected as soon as next month. And this, of course, could give the crypto complex another shot in the arm. Um, So it's likely to remain volatile in the digital asset space. And on to market action today. I see US equity futures broadly flat at the minute and futures in Europe are slightly lower. Yes, but uh, please bear in mind, it could turn out to be a quite volatile day in U.S. equities, uh, especially there. This is uh, as some U.S. dollar 2.2 trillion of longer dated option contracts tied to stocks and equity indices are apparently scheduled to mature today. And this means investors must decide whether to roll over these options or to start new positions a process that can lead to a big spike in trading and potentially sudden price swings in an individual stock. Okay, and anything else that's caught your eye then, just before we move on? Yeah, certainly. Actually, a story that could fill an entire podcast. Now, New York City is rolling out a plan to convert vacant uh, offices into as many as 20,000 new housing units. Now, this comes as many more people are working from at home, and so less office space is needed. Now, I guess this could give us a glimpse of how future cities could look like. But as I said, it could fail an entire podcast. And uh, with that, back to you, Helen. Interesting. Great. Thank you very much, Mike, for rounding up the market news for us this morning. Now, Tim, good morning to you. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Helen. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the dollar and rising US rates. Usually, higher US rates means the dollar gets stronger. Has that been the case this week? Yeah, the short answer to that question is yes. As the US 10-year got nearer and nearer to the key level of 433, the high of last year yesterday, the dollar rather recovered. Eurodollar, for example, broke back below 109. Dollar-yen, of course, was continuing its relentless climb yesterday, clearing 146, and the Aussie dollar even briefly broke below 0.64. However, it is worth noting that in October of last year, when we did see that uh, high in the US 10-year, Eurodollar was below parity. So the outlook is very different here. And I think it is a bit one-eyed of the market to only look at US rates, and therefore the dollar. Rates are not only rising in the US. The euro has struggled a bit. European data is a bit underwhelming of late, while US data continues to come in at or above expectations. What we can say is that, unlike in 2022, the dollar is not at extreme levels against anything except maybe the yen, and that's not really a dollar story. So everything is quite calm and orderly. And were there any currencies that managed to resist this dollar rebound? 
Yeah, a couple. I think the most obvious one would be the pound. As I mentioned before, US yields are not the only ones rising. So while the US 10-year is indeed at around 425 or something like that, UK 10-year is at more like 475. The interest rate differential here is actually in favour of the pound, which reflects the fact that the Bank of England's base rate is higher than that of the Fed, and more hikes are expected out of the UK than they are out of the US. So sterling dollar cable did actually uh, initially pull back a little yesterday, but it recovered its ground quite quickly, and the pound strengthened to very close to its 2023 high against the euro. So I think I'd probably take profits on long sterling positions against the euro, but I definitely would not want to be short sterling. And exactly as I mentioned last week, there is still a super opportunity to be long the pound against the Swiss franc, where the carry is massively in your favour. And the pair has traded in a 110 to 115 range for about a year. It's probably my favourite trade at the moment, and it has been for a little while. And especially if you're looking for something to do outside of the dollar, I think it's really ideal. What about precious metals? You've mentioned before that gold is particularly vulnerable to higher yields. So what happened there? Yeah, spot on. Indeed, last week I mentioned that the 200-day moving average was coming up fast in gold at around 1900 and that a break at this level could be quite important. On Wednesday night, we didn't break below this level, which is not good technically speaking. Indeed, without pretending to be a technical analyst of any skill, I did notice that we have broken the 200-day moving average at the same time, more or less, that the 50-day crossed the 100-day. Bear with me, I'll try not to be too net technical, mostly because I'm not capable. The last two times that this happened, we had a move of between $200 and $250 in gold, once lower in June of last year and once higher in December of last year. So if this break lower is confirmed, therefore, there really is plenty of room for gold to go lower I'd be really careful for now. I don't think this is the moment to be buying gold, especially if we actually manage to close below 1900 today. As usual, even though it's not done that well of late, I would rather take exposure to platinum if you don't have any. It's really quite cheap and does not seem to want to spend too much time very far below 900. But I would also, as usual, favour derivatives such as maybe reverse convertible in dollars against platinum rather than trying to buy directly. What are the main opportunities you see then after the latest moves? The main one would definitely be taking some exposure to the pound against the Swiss franc, either directly via a spot or forward or by looking at a reverse convertible, an accumulator or a bullish TARF, all of which give you a very interesting entry point as you get a lot of benefit in those products from the positive carry. If you did not already, I think I would look at getting short dollars against the Aussie dollar or Canadian dollar. Both look a bit stretched, although with China under so much pressure, I would probably prefer the Canadian dollar at this point. For those of you who did not yet hedge US dollar exposure versus the euro, I think it makes sense to take advantage of any dollar rallies to do so. There is a bit of room here down to about 108, 107.95, but I would not worry too much about catching the bottom, especially for people who are completely unhedged and probably getting extremely worried last month when we went all the way up to 112. So I think that's it from me. Thank you, Helen. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I am off to buy a parasol and a nice machine because apparently it's going to be 38 degrees here in Geneva this weekend. Great. Thanks very much, Tim, for sharing your thoughts. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I will be back on Monday talking to more of my colleagues about what is moving markets. 
Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.